Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Welcome to the 42 Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan. And once again, it seems like, as always, I'm going to apologize for this episode coming out so late. I realize that we've had quite a delay now since the Snowpiercer episode came out. My plan is to get much more regular from here on out because I know that can be frustrating when you're following a show and it comes out in an irregular schedule and you don't know when you're going to listen to it or what you're going to do. So definitely trying to address that right now. This is another episode that comes from way back. In fact, it's actually a year old when I was first testing the feasibility of the podcast, getting people together, just recording a few things uh, before we actually debuted in January. So This actually comes from July of last year. So we mentioned the fact that Season 10 of The Big Bang Theory hasn't come out yet and some things like that. We speculate about how long the show can continue, which, of course, if you haven't heard the news, Big Bang Theory has been picked up for two more seasons, so there will at least be 12 episodes of the show. But anyway, uh, when this was recorded, we didn't know that. So uh, other than that, though, because this wasn't really a review of a series in the way that previous TV show episodes have been, it's more of a discussion of the themes and what the Big Bang Theory means to people. I don't think that this is a dated episode, because everything that we talk about still applies. Two more things really quick. First off, the contest for the 13th episode of the show. We did get a few replies on the Facebook page, and the one that won out was Streams Do Come True. So that's the topic we're going to have in the 13th episode. But don't worry, all the topics that we talked about will be available eventually. I really like the contest format. I hope that you do too, especially when I've recorded so many in advance. It kind of helps me pick and choose which ones we're going to get out next. So As I catch up, I'm probably going to do a few more contests just so as we get through that backlog, we'll uh, we'll get all that churned out and we'll be... I always want to be a little ahead of when we're releasing, but I definitely don't want to have as many in the backlog as I do right now because there's just really no point. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that I'm starting a new website called The Video Game Archive. One of the things that I've realized while looking around uh, the internet is that there's a lot of gaps in our knowledge of video game history, and there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. And one of my passions is history. I'm an engineer, but I also love history. 
I actually really enjoy archiving things too, which I know is a little odd, but I enjoy making lists and sorting things. So to me, uh, the video game archive is kind of a passion project. I also really love video games, especially the older ones from when I grew up, uh, mostly SNES era and before. So I'm going all the way back to 1972. And my intention is to try to catalog not only the technical specs of all the machines that I can find, but also to try to get as many stories as I can, both from players, but also from the people who made the machines, uh, you know, programmers, engineers, vendors, marketing people, artists, all the people who have worked on video game equipment. I want to get as many stories and as much information about it as I can. Obviously, this is a project that is going to take a long time, and hopefully I will get people to help me doing it, because otherwise the website will not have a whole lot of content, will be updated very slowly, and for something that's as big as this, it's, you know, it's just never going to go anywhere. Uh, I'm also intending to put reviews on there, as well as to have a blog about my technical projects that I plan on doing with regard to video games. I, I've wanted to get into hacking uh, consoles for a while now and really get into the guts and the workings of the machines. So I want to start doing that, and I'm going to document that there. And we'll probably also talk about a little bit on the 42Cast. I already have an episode recorded where we talk about arcade games, but uh, we're going to get into consoles soon, and I just kind of wanted to get arcade games out of the way, because uh, I love arcade games, but I'm probably not ever going to be rich enough to buy arcade games or do anything with them, so uh, it's going to be consoles for me, but definitely uh, we're going to talk about that more later. So, yeah, and one thing I want to put out there to everyone that listens to their show is, if you know anyone especially who is in the video game industry in the 70s or 80s, because that's the period, those two decades are where really we have a lot of the gaps in video game knowledge. Anyone who worked for any company that produced video games in any capacity, I am interested in just bending their ear and seeing what kind of insights that they can give. So again, that's, you know, people involved in manufacturing, it's the engineers, it's the artists, it's the marketing people, it's the salespeople, any of that I want to hear. But even if you uh, have relatives or you yourself worked in the sales side at like stores or whatever, I'd be interested in hearing some of those stories. And I'm going to want to get stories from people who are enthusiasts about games as well. So again, if you feel like you have anything to contribute to this project, please just let me know. Email us at everything at 42cast.com. The, the video game archive is going to have its own email eventually, but for now, email me there and just let me know what you would like to talk about with regard to video games, and we'll see if it's something that I can use as content. Eventually, we're also going to do game reviews. I, I might have already said that, but uh, reviews will be on the website as well. But to me, that's not as important as sort of documenting the history that's already kind of fading away especially in the 70s as people pass away. I definitely want to, you know, try to capture some of that. So anyway, <laughs> that's not what this podcast is about at all, but I've talked about it for quite a while. So without further ado, here is our Big Bang Theory podcast starting now. 
today we're going to talk about the uh, the Big Bang Theory and sort of the controversy surrounding it. Uh, you know, it seems to have split geekdom down the middle between people who love it and people who hate it. But before that, we have two new guests on the podcast, so let's say hello to them first. First up is uh, someone that I first met when he was uh, role-playing a seven-foot-tall humanoid orca. I have since fell out of touch with him and just recently reconnected, and that is Nathan Benton. Hi, how are you doing, Nathan? I'm doing great, and I'm glad to be here tonight. We're glad to have you. So, Nathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. My geek cred goes all the way back to uh, when I was like nine or ten years old, and my mom got me uh, the red box set for D&D, thinking it was a uh, regular old board game. <laughs> I tried to play with my little brother, couldn't figure out the rules, so she sat down ended up being our first dm and uh after that i just played by myself because no one else would play with me <laughs> i just DM'd myself through all the dungeons and did i see on facebook recently that you uh played hero quest too oh yeah me and my brother loved hero quest and we got the expansion and i would play that by myself relentlessly it was it was so much fun also uh in a little bit of a, a career change changing uh, careers from uh, technical field. I used to work in uh, cell phones and uh, communications hmm. and going into nursing school. And I just had a, had a baby four months ago. Well, I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. It's yeah, like that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. That, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I felt. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Yeah, Mazel tov, man. Thank you. Well, <laughs> we're glad to have you, Nathan. And uh, next up is a man that I've met uh, doing other podcasts. He loves Raiders of the Lost Ark to a degree that I have never seen anyone else. And I'm saying this as someone who also loves Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that is Mr. Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited about the new podcast venture. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it too, and uh, we're we're glad to have you on. Uh, now, um, why don't you say something about yourself? Well, in addition to being that guy, uh, when it comes to Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, I'm also a writer and an editor. I'm probably best known in Robert E. Howard fandom. Uh, I wrote the biography, the Blood and Thunder: The Life and Art of Robert E. Howard, and. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of uh, expanded uh, publishing right now, which is kind of cool. I'm doing some uh, some fun things that I've been trying to get to for a while. So I'm very excited about where I'm going with all that. Oh, that's that's cool. So specifically with Robert E. Howard, like, well, what are what are the projects you're working on? Well, the Conan role playing game, which funded earlier this year at Kickstarter, I'm actually writing the first supplement after the core book. It's mm. Conan the Thief. And, and there's two other uh, Robert E. Howard experts involved in the game to make sure that, that what's there is is pure core Robert E. Howard and not any of the tack-on ancillary material that other people have done over the years. And so I'm kind of the lead car out of the chute, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with regards to the other uh, uh, core supplements, which I'm very excited about, but it's it's a little intense, you know. Oh, we're just so excited to see what Robert E. Howard expert Mark Finn can come up with. No pressure there, not at all. And if I'm not, and I'm if I'm not clever in a really creative way, I'm expecting death threats and the usual internet chicanery. So. Right. 
and a lot of uh, um actually <laughs> right yeah no that's really cool um I, i'm just curious because unlike most people i didn't come to robert e howard through conan are you familiar with solomon kane oh god yes of course one of my favorite uh characters it, that howard wrote well yeah and it's a very unique time period to set a character also in sort of the fantasy genre sort of the 17th century explorer it is arguably the start of sword and sorcery hmm. the the marriage of a historical setting with weird or strange supernatural elements layered on top and you know howard there were other guys who kind of did it sort of howard was the first guy to really do it systematically and subsequently is the is the thing that people came back to for inspiration so he's mm. he's the father of this as we understand it savage worlds has a uh, a solomon kane setting book that uh, looks really cool i haven't read the solomon kane <laughs> novel but I, I recommend it unreservedly, Benton. I think you would dig it. It's monster hunting uh, in Africa with swords and juju magic. It's it's a cool uh, it's a cool pulp smoothie of all the good stuff. I mean, in some ways, if you've ever read Burroughs' Tarzan, it treats Africa as the sort of mysterious place uh in the same way that that you know uh, burroughs tarzan kind of does where anything can literally be there you know including like in yep. burroughs case like lost survivors of atlantis um right. you know and, and and it's just it's just really cool because this is just you know this european explorer who's who's in africa and all the crazy crap that he encounters there <laughs> the dark yep. continent. that's right the dark continent yep so yeah thanks mark and and yeah that's that's really cool and uh, also rejoining us is uh, someone that was on the first episode, and you know him as the man who hates Pluto, and that is Mr. Ryan Guthrie. <laughs> I don't... I... <laughs> How are you doing, Ryan? <laughs> well, you know, for the record, and again, by pure chance, I'm wearing another Pluto t-shirt during this recording. Uh, this one says, when I was your age, Pluto was a planet. Uh, so, I don't hate it. I want to get that right out there, but I don't care about it either, one way or the other. I'm doing great otherwise, though. Although I'm going to have to uh, apparently tear up my uh, stats for a seven-foot-tall human orca. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was yeah. Thanks. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was um, It was in the 3.5 D&D uh, expansion Stormrack, uh, which had various aquatic-type creatures that you could role-play and... Uh, Benton, uh, oh, and Nathan, I'm sorry, I'm going to call you Benton so that we don't get confused uh, between the two of us. That's fine, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, Benton created this character, Siluk Tilu, um, who, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he had this whole storyline and everything around him, and unfortunately, after just, like, two, three months of playing, like, he had to go, he was discharged from the, from the military, and he moved, and then, uh, yeah, so we never got to finish that storyline with you. We we finished it with everybody else, but the whole Silukdu uh, part went away. I did have that um, torrid romance with the half orc. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I married you off to her after you left. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. He's the so- strong, silent type, and she talked a lot. So. That's true. Yeah. So true. we can maybe have son of. Right. Show up later. Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Son of salute. Yeah. Tusks. 
All right, awesome. Um, so now we're going to move into the five question segment. And for those who are just joining us, uh, five questions is basically just a way for us to sort of kind of loosen up. Uh, it's it's five random questions about various geeky topics where there's really only two ways of answering the question, and you know, kind of gives every, everyone a sort of a, a way of weighing in on on some topic there. So it gives us a feeling for where everyone stands. So. For this one, I think I'm going to want to go Benton, Ryan, Mark, just so that, that way I don't have to call your names, you know, just know that's the order after I ask the question. Alright. Yeah. Alright. You're Batman. Who is your femme fatale? Catwoman or Talia? I'm going to go with Talia. I just think that she's very worldly and she knows things. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right, Ryan. I too will pick Talia. Um, really, my reasoning is because she's going to have an accent, and that always that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. Catwoman. I don't even know why we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, see, I would have gone Talia as well. Oh my god, I'm in a room of philistines. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the the accent, just the whole you know beloved thing, and you know how she yeah yeah just yeah kind of yeah. does it for me. But um, all right, so uh, next up, second question. All right, who is the better Agent Carter, Peggy or Sharon? Peggy, English mm. accent. <laughs> does it every time. Plus, have you ever seen uh, Haley Atwell in uh, in uh, Black Mirror? No, I haven't. Oh, you do. There's a great scene for, uh, you can watch it for the plot. It's really great. Okay. <laughs> There's a scene I can watch for the plot. All right. <laughs> it suddenly occurs to me a podcast with four men on it. might not. It might have its downside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I left it open-ended. No women wanted it on this one. So. Uh, do you mean like all uh, comics and MCU? Or yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All-encompassing. Then I would probably go with Sharon. Mark? Oh, um, Peggy. Again, I don't know why we're having this conversation. <laughs> she, she invented S.H.I.E.L.D. for crying out loud. She ran with the Howling Command Commandos. She had to do it all backwards and in high heels. I mean... <laughs> yeah, in the 1940s. Yeah, I think I have to go with Peggy on this one, too. Yeah, all right. Okay. <laughs> Alright, third question. You need to smuggle some goods. Do you make the Kessel Run with Han Solo or wander the verse with Mal Reynolds? Wandering the verse. All the way. Ooh, um... Uh, Kessel Run. Kessel Run? Yeah, I gotta yeah. make the Kessel yeah. Run with Han Solo. <laughs> I, nothing, nothing, against, uh, nothing against Mal, but uh, I want the Wookiee back up if necessary. Oh, that's a good point. Also, he looks like somebody else. I'm trying to put my uh, finger on it. <laughs> he reminds me of an archaeologist. <laughs> so that's part of the problem right there. I, I wondered I will, if that would factor into your choice. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to. It has to factor in just a little bit. The the the, the creative DNA, you know. Mm. All right. Fourth question: Who is the greatest speedster, Barry Allen or Wally West? Mm. I'm going to have to go with Barry 
of those two, I'd go with Paris. Okay, I was about to say, you don't sound sure of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just I'm more of a... I like the Golden Age uh, Jay Garrett. Oh, oh, see, that is that is very cool. Yeah. I, I actually he, prefer Jay myself, but I'm, I'm asking based on... Because even in DC canon, he's not as fast as these two. No, he's not. But I just... I like costume, and I like... I just like Jay better. But, and for me, the differences between Wally and Barry are so small. I mean, they're, do you know what I mean? Mm. There's not a lot of difference between the two. Yeah. For me, overall. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Barry. All right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way. If you'd asked who my favorite was, I would go Wally. But if who I think is the greatest, I, I go Barry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, who do yeah. you like best, I guess I should say, then? Well, who do I like best is Wally. Okay. But I, I think Barry is the, the greater speedster. Okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Barry as well. I, the Silver Age Flash was the archetypal Flash for forever. And uh, I, I think some of the better stories written have been Wally stories. Uh, but, but that's kind of a, an after-the-fact kind of a deal. They're, they're, they're poignant because Barry was you know barry's death lent gravitas to what wally was doing so you know they're the wally stories are great because barry is there for the assist does that make sense yeah no that makes sense i adore wally but then pretty much all that i've read of flash comics is wally so (laughs) you know for me that that's kind of why it is the uh that's the answer fair enough yeah, that's the same way with me. Mark Waite was uh, writing yes. Flash when I started reading, and so yeah. that's it's always you always remember your first, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go to the fifth question. Final question. Final question. What's the best thing for getting spy series laughs? Would you believe watching Get Smart or Austin Powers is groovy, baby? <laughs> groovy. Oh yeah, I like Austin Powers. All right. Yeah, Austin Powers. Um, I'm going to go with Get Smart because one, I'm very old and kind of sad. Uh, two, when when Austin Powers gets bad, it turns bad faster than milk in the middle of July. <laughs> whereas, the, whereas the Get Smart stuff, you know, if you like that kind of humor, it's it's sustained all the way through. Yeah, I have to agree with Mark on this one, and I do love the first Austin Powers movie quite it's, a bit, right. but I feel like the other two like were more bad than good, and yep. it's it kind it's kind of unwatchable when it gets bad. So, but get smart. I can pretty much just fall into any episode and just watch it. So yep. for me, that's why I get smart. And, and now I feel old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give Get Smart the theme. You know, I'm, it's going in my head right now as he's walking down the hall, the never-ending yes. hallway. But um, I, I, I don't watch Austin Powers for Austin Powers. I watch it for everyone else. If that okay, sure, sure. Yeah. The first Austin Powers is really funny, especially if you like that '60s kind of B-grade spy stuff. The problem with the second one, and really, and the second one only works. Uh, the only stuff that works is the clone stuff. And the rest of it is just just kind of hangs there. And then the third one, that's like it's it's like a cancerous testicle. It's just <laughs> it's just talk talk about wanting to cut it, you know. And, and it, it never and it never gets cut. You're like, surely this is gonna drop and fall. No, it just pendulously swings back and forth. And you're like, wasn't this attached to something good once? Oh yeah, the regular Austin Powers. Yeah, very frustrating. Uh, 
I never okay. would have made that analogy, but it fits so well. <laughs> but are you factoring Steve Carell's Get Smart into this? I, th- I thought St- I thought Carell's Get Smart was really good, but you know, honestly, if you're gonna do, if you want that kind of vibe, the best take on all of it, uh, outside of anything else, Undercover Brother. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Undercover Brother delivers consistently, and you can watch it repeatedly. And there's and there's quotes galore uh, to pull from it to add to your house mix, if you will. Yeah. Okay. I'll- I'll see your undercover brother and raise you Archer. Okay, Archer's Archer is great, but I, I but you know I think with Archer, if you weren't in on it from the very beginning, it, it, it's it's become insider baseball, and it's there's a lot of hard. yeah, there's a lot of recall. I'll, I'll yeah, and there's not a lot of middle ground on Archer. You love or you hate. It. <laughs> that's that's very very true. Speak and speaking of love it or hate it, <laughs> right? And so now we segue. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> we not my first rodeo, gentlemen. Not my first rodeo. Oh, thank you, because I was wondering how I was going to pull this thing back, and you gave me the opening. So <laughs> set up and knocked out. There you go. Now we're going to take a quick break as we play this promo from uh, another show. For years, Doctor Geek has toiled in obscurity, trying to realize the future through the science of applied geekdom. Pressured to prove his theories or lose funding, Dr. Geek has now opened the doors of his amazing laboratory to public participation and public collaboration. With the help of his partner, Mr. Flask, a test subject known as Mr. Creature, and a computer called the Deus Ex Machine, Dr. Geek conducts an investigation into the world of tomorrow, creating the future by discussing it. Do you want me to turn down the oxygen in the labyrinth? Oh boy, the things I get to do for science! That's not a good sound. And why is this sticky? Join the discussion at www.drgeeklab.com Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state Then nearly 14 million years ago, expansion started Wait, the earth began to cool, the autotrophs began to drool Neanderthals developed tools, we built a wall We built the pyramids Science history unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang So yes, now that we've had the five questions, we can go into our main topic, and that is the Big Bang Theory. Now, the thing about the Big Bang Theory is, you know, since I've kind of gone onto the internet in the sense of getting into social media for the last four years or so, I have been kind of surprised by just how polarizing uh, you know, the Big Bang Theory. You know, we get these kinds of series from time to time, but usually they're not comedies. And, you know, it, it, it seems to cross, you know, just about any boundary, you know? I mean, because some people say, oh, well, you know, if you're really geeky, you like the Big Bang Theory, or you don't like it. But no, it's like pretty much a 50-50 split, you know? Some people love it, some people hate it. And you can't predict it. Right, and you can't predict it. And um, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to get on this group, because I made sure that we would give both sides a voice here. But, uh, but first off, just to you know, familiarize you know, the five or six people out there who may not have heard of it, Ryan, uh, can you uh, describe the Big Bang Theory? 
Well, it's a giant money-making uh, Chuck Lorre production <laughs> on CBS. Um, <laughs> the story, yeah, uh, the, the basic story, which has remained fairly static with some minor changes over, I think, what ten seasons now, nine uh, or ten seasons. Uh, yeah, it's it, going into the tenth season next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. is you've got four friends who are all in academia, and they're they're nerds. They're nerds and scientists. So I guess they. They hit both ends of the dichotomy that it, that is nerddom, or the continuum, I should say, and it follows their awkwardness and their daily adventures of trying to make it in society. and And for the first half of the show, for the it was really just about getting girls, and mm-hmm. then they kind of grew up a bit. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fairly decent, you know, fairly fair assessment of it. In the few sentences of describing something that's lasted nine years, uh, uh, so now though I, I'm I'm really curious because I I want to hear and I, I'm sure there's different reasons for different people, but uh, Benton, uh, can you tell us why you don't like the Big Bang Theory? I think first, uh, my biggest problem with it is that they have these four main characters that are the worst stereotypes of geek and nerd culture. And they kind of just sort of exemplify. I mean, sure, we all know that one guy who, I mean, sure, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that one <laughs> guy probably has Asperger's and, you know, but you deal with him because, you know, he's like always comes to game on time and brings snacks. <laughs> or, uh, you can ask him like any question about, I don't know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and he'll probably know the answer. <laughs> and they're just really bad examples. And then also people when they find out uh, that I'm kind of a geek, they're like, oh, you must love Big Bang Theory. I love that show, too. And I get they're trying to say something about, like, they just want to connect with me, but the example it puts forth is just not very accurate. I don't know. I don't. Not one of my friends has a PhD in any, you know, okay. so they're not very, I, I don't know. It's not very good stereotypes that they're portraying. Okay, I mean, yeah, and, 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 and what you're saying here is, is, is some of the things that I've heard in the past. I would say that comedy in general, though, plays to a lot of stereotypes. And so that's. Right, and sitcoms, yeah, sitcoms especially. And that's one of the reasons why I find that to be an odd reason to sort of disparage it, because that's really common. I understand that they play a lot of stereotypes, but the thing with me is that that our, our culture has been much maligned over the years. And this is sort of furthering those negative stereotypes of the geek and the nerd that we saw back in those uh, 80s comedies. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm falling on. Okay. Yeah, l- let, me, let me jump in on this because uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on a couple of things that, uh, that Benton brought up. Sure. Uh, you have to remember when this thing came out 10 years ago, okay? We hadn't had a Marvel movie yet. Mm. Uh, that is to say the Marvel Expanded Universe, okay? Uh, there had been this wonderful plethora of superhero films, and there was geek culture uh, on the rise. And, you know, on one hand, you got to say kudos to Chuck Prady, the producer, for recognizing that that's a thing. And on one hand, you go, yeah, well, all right, you win because you identified this correctly. But what it really is, is it's the trappings of geek culture sprayed onto a typical sitcom structure okay you know these could be four guys that work uh at an automotive plant this could be 
for uh, this could be two guys who work at a newspaper and they're two friends who own a bike shop. My point, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. there's no and 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 the the connective tissue and the glue could just be the stuff about the newspaper or the magazine or you know any other sitcom structure. And so what what we are left with is you know they've tried to sort of incorporate this. Uh, and 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 I think Benton's right. At least two of the characters typify the absolute worst uh, that that we would think of as as people that live in the geek nation, and that's Sheldon and Wallowitz. Sheldon is, you know, again, kudos for you. You made him a, a you know high functioning genius. Clearly, there's some stuff on the spectrum there that 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 he's playing with and. But but the problem is is that he holds at least in the early seasons he holds everybody hostage emotionally and mentally. It's an abusive relationship, and Wallowitz is even worse. Wallowitz is that that eighties. Uh, he's spaz from from meatballs. You know he's uh, you know he's he, he's just this kind of nerdy guy. Uh, and 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 not just nerdy, but skeevy. Oh my God, is he skeevy? You know the, I mean the only you know the only thing he doesn't do when there's hot girls around is lick his lips. You know, he is he is absolutely like the worst specimen of of, of lecherous. Uh, he's like a shaved werewolf. It just makes me nuts. <laughs> and and the reward for this, of course, is that he gets to marry the hot blonde. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he, you know, something about I don't know. I don't. I still, I still, I still call foul on that entire relationship. I thought, I think they they gave him a girlfriend because they realized they'd overplayed the lecherousness. But it, but 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 my point is is that these guys, it's it's a stereotype, and and unfortunately, as as geek culture has come into its own, and and we've seen a lot more of the public face of geek culture, and especially in the last couple of years. That emotionally holding people hostage and not ever being able to back down, admit you're wrong kind of stuff doesn't look so pretty when there's folks on the internet hoping that somebody's dog gets cancer because they wrote a Captain America comic that they didn't agree with. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I get the points. Coming back to the stereotype issue and, and, and sort of geek culture and everything... I mean, I I definitely get it. I was the guy who was excited when I was picked next to last in gym class. So, you know, I I certainly uh, am part of, you know, the the group that, you know, has been maligned and, and, you know, didn't didn't really fit in when, uh, well, ever. (laughs) I was going to say when I was a kid, but I was like, what am I talking about? It's still that way. (laughs) Can't talk about any of my interests at work. Everyone will just look at me strange. Um, So... (laughs) You know, so so I I do understand that, but at the same time, I feel like, and this kind of plays off of what you were saying, uh, Benton, because I don't think the show is saying if you're a geek, you have to be one of those four people. But I do feel like at least three of them are real characters. Now, Raj, I think Raj just comes from some weird imagination somewhere. I, I don't know anyone like Raj. Certainly the whole, like, fear of speaking to girls, I liked in the beginning, but when they made it some weird magic thing where he just has to have a thimble full of alcohol and suddenly he can talk to women, it was like, well, this is no longer, like, a real problem. This is just some weird sort of comedy thing that they've, you know, created for him. But uh, for the other three, I feel like 
those are real people. Like, I know those people. I know who they are. Now, I do identify somewhat with Leonard, um, which I guess helps me as my intro to the series. My wife strongly identifies with Penny. So, you know, there is some... You know, uh, you know. So for me, there's more relatability, perhaps. But you know, uh, I don't feel like it's trying to make a statement about you know uh, uh, all geeks must be these people. I mean, because it's a very specific subspe- sub subset. You know, these are scientists. You know, PhD level researchers, um, and and not and, and most of their audience is not that. All stereotypes. Uh, I agree. I think we all agree that's what sitcoms do. They exaggerate stereotypes. But what I always find interesting about this, and um, you know, maybe present company excluded, is that this doesn't just play on the nerd stereotypes. It plays on Jewish stereotypes. It plays on Indian stereotypes. It plays on right. Nebraskan stereotypes. But it's only the nerd stereotypes that get people upset. It's like we're cool with making fun of you know Indians, or, or it's understandable, it's acceptable to, to make fun of Jewish stereotypes or, or Indian stereotypes, but it's offensive to make fun of nerd stereotypes. And that's what I don't get uh, with regards to this. And, and by the way, I do want to say uh, for Mark and Benton, Bray, you, considering you're, you all are at uh, a severe disadvantage in this, because you hate it. You haven't seen every episode like I have, like probably Nathan has. So... Kudos to you for even being here to do that, to, to, to voice your opinion. But I do think if you watched every single episode, a lot of the storytelling complaints might not hold up. Like the whole Bernadette and Wallowitz uh, uh, complaint, him being the hot blonde girl. There is an in-story – it's a stupid in-story reason, but it's, it's there. They do try and, and give it some justification. They both hate their moms. That's what they had in yeah. common. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, on their blind date, they, they, they bond over the fact that they both hate their mothers. Yeah. Um, and the problem – and, and I, the pro- see, the pro- here, uh, unfortunately, Ryan, I ha- actually have seen most of them. Oh, uh, sorry. I, 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 no, it's okay. I hate watch it. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I do. I, I love I, that I, concept. I, it's not a, and I, I don't get angry about it. But I, but I literally watch it to keep up with it because I know people ask about it and they want to know about it. And there, there is a kind of a weird barometer for this. But uh, you know, later when Wallowitz's mom finally dies, and and Bernadette. Oh, because, well, because because she was never it was never a I mean I, I and this is no disrespect to the to the lady playing the actress playing the the mom because uh, she actually did pass away and they had to write her out of the mm-hmm. of the thing uh, and so I I don't mean to disrespect that at all but 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 that character was 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 mm-hmm. was a terrible character and Wallowitz was was you know there's this whole toxic relationship with her oh, and that's and and there's and it. To me, that plays exactly like the the George Costanza stuff, and I hated that. And I don't, I didn't like Seinfeld either for that very reason. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, I don't find anything redeeming about him as a person, and 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 there's nothing for me to like. So that know. so that's that's where the the you know, and and not even I can't even sympathize with him. That's the part of that that makes it hard for me because, you know, I'll I'll go a long way for a character I like or that I want to like and I'll, I'll find something redeeming you know whether it's a, a bad guy or a good guy or you know whatever mm-hmm. 
Wallowitz just gets on my last damn nerve. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to kick him until he's dead. I really do. <laughs> it's funny because oh. you talked about, uh, you know, how he was depicted in their early seasons, and I get it. But actually, the funny thing is, the one thing that I did actually understand about his character and somewhat sympathize with was the idea of somebody. Because I did, I, I would actually lived with my mom until I was twenty five, and the whole like problem of being an adult and still living with your mother and the you know the issues there of her wanting to still treat you like a child when you're a grown adult and all that kind of stuff and yeah did they ratchet it up to 11 you know to a degree that was kind of ridiculous sure but i i did at least understand the what what they were making fun of there even if it might have gone a little bit to the extreme end i can see that that's what it does it goes to extremes right you know, speaking of ratcheting it up, all they're, if we can get away from the geek stereotypes and everything, yeah, they're all ratcheted up. The only believable characters on there are Leonard and, and Penny to an extent. Uh, she is a caricature of the, the dumb blonde who likes big guys with big muscles, and obviously she matures and grows over time. I, I do watch it, by the way. My wife loves the show, so uh, that means I watch it. So you're both hostages. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> um the happiest days when we move to a house that uh, no longer received CPS. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, but she does uh, mature. Her character does mature over time and mm-hmm. learn to appreciate Leonard and a different type of guy. And I can appreciate that because that's exactly my wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, she had to learn to go out with a different kind of guy like me. And she learned to appreciate it. So, but the thing is that all the other characters are so ratcheted up and they're just so extreme that it's just... I don't know, the, the storytelling, the writing on it, is just, it just but, seems lazy, because well, they're so extreme. And so it's uh, just easy to write stupid jokes about Wallowitz's mom. Uh, see, uh, the two things I would come back to that with are, again, find, name a sitcom, aside from some of the newer, smarter stuff, because this is very much a, a dumb sitcom. It dumps it down. I won't disagree with that. It's a lowest common denominator sitcom. It, of course, that's Chuck Lorre for you. But, right. uh, that that as a given name a sitcom that doesn't do that with his characters that doesn't exaggerate I, uh, al bundy was not typical of you know the, <laughs> the american husband you know? <laughs> at least i hope not <laughs> so that, that's what sitcoms do uh so i don't really have a problem with that and i won't argue that the show is perfect because it is not but i think if you figure that there's nerd versus non-nerd and smart versus dumb comedy this is definitely dumb comedy with nerds and that subculture of nerds and i think on a visceral level you either love it or hate it and it's really we can we can try to explain it uh and make reasons Mm. for it but the reason you state that you hate i might love and that's just a bizarre phenomenon it's a early on in the show before and this was again before before the marvel cinematic universe started basically bringing millions of fans to comics that that had not been there before Mm -hmm. early on in the show especially in the first two seasons there was a lot more geek related content i remember specifically uh, appropriately enough there was an episode where everybody in the game in the in the show is playing age of conan Mm -hmm. the online mmo and and Penny gets sucked into it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and and it's very funny, and it was absolutely accurate. And they actually used uh, Funcom's platform to do it, and it was very cool, you know, because we hadn't seen that before. 
but there was this was this was still part of the time period where so many science fiction fantasy and and geeks and fans treated this stuff you know we're we're kind of like battered women in this regard you know it's like we it, there's this weird mentality that if, that we have to watch the the new show on the sci-fi channel because if we don't if we don't watch it it'll go away and then they'll never make anything science fiction for us again as long as we live the firefly a, effect <laughs> yeah yeah and it's this weird sort of um First of all, it's it's a it's not it's not an issue, but there was a lot of people that piled onto the Big Bang Theory early on because they're like, guys, this is about us. They've got actual posters hanging in their room. They go to a comic shop and talk about actual comics. They don't have to make up stupid names for non-existent stuff. They just talk about Batman and the Flash and the Lantern. You know, they go to conventions and dress as actual comic people. You know, so that was that was very refreshing. But as as the series moved on, and as the as more people got invested, the geek stuff has fallen by the wayside, and what we're left with is relationships. That's what these things yeah. always come down to: it's relationships. Are they going to get together? or Aren't they going to get together? Is he ever going to find true love, or is he not going to find true love? Are they ever going to kiss? Are they ever going to do it? Uh, you know, all that stuff. And that's that's what the last five seasons of The Big Bang Theory has pretty much been. It's been relationship based, and uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, I find the, the 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 two guys I find most unbelievable in their relationships are are, are half the cast, Sheldon and Wallowitz. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, the the well, Amy Farrah Fowler's whole character just like completely changed um, in between. I can't remember. I think it was like between the fourth and fifth seasons where she went from being basically a female Sheldon to being the wallflower who desperately wanted to, you know, have a, a, a relationship. But you know, and Sheldon was the one guy that would date her, but he was very, you know, weird and standoffish in how he would do it, and that was a strange tonal shift that suddenly yeah, happened in the yeah. show. I mean, who are we to argue with it, though? Because it is one of the most popular sitcoms on television. Yeah. I, I don't know that this is, again, I, the third time I've thrown, thrown his name out, but I think this is as much Chuck Lorre as anything else. His shows are known for their sexism, and that does come through on Big Bang Theory. Not as much as it did on, like, Two and a Half Men, but mm -hmm. there there is yeah. an issue. Uh, we never – I mean, Penny's last name now is Hofstetter, but prior to that, we never learned her – last name uh she was yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah she I, was I penny she was yeah. she was pity and she was the pretty penny on right. top of it, right? <laughs> well no seriously she was the i mean from the first episode she was the object of desire for for leonard mm. you know and, well, and wallowitz and, uh, well yeah and, Wall and wallowitz but then again you know everybody was the object of desire for wallowitz right. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that every single one of the boys has seen Penny Naked. Yeah. No, no, show. it's not a coincidence. You know. And Wait, that, Howard, Howard. No, no, Howard hasn't. The other three have, yes. but yeah, Howard hasn't. Yeah. Wait a second. Uh, what about the uh, what about the movie that she was in, Serial oh. Apist? That's true. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, no. she did that. Uh, yeah, you're, but that's online. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other the other three have seen her naked in, in person. I see. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I will say though, the where I do agree with Mark is that I felt the show was way funnier for like the first three seasons. My first episode actually was the first Will Wheaton episode where oh, yeah. Sheldon is playing Magic the Gathering yes. with him and. 
you know, when it turns around that Wheaton's been manipulating him and was just, you know, uh, he's just really this horrible person, I was like, this show really gets it. You know, it's like, because all that yeah. anger and hatred that we all have for Will Wheaton, you know, and, you know, they, they just put it all out there in this, car- you know, in this caricature of him that they've presented for us. And, um, you know, and, and, and I feel like the first three seasons, either they had different writers or something, because the show did seem way more rooted in geek culture, understood geek culture better and then it's kind of been falling by the wayside slowly ever since to where now I, I agree it is very much uh, like just any sitcom I mean I, some yeah. one, someone I know uh, described it to me as the geek references are like playing Mad Libs it's like oh I need a name of a, of a sci-fi TV series here and it could be any sci-fi TV series or whatever and, 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 I, and I do agree and I miss that I mean the thing that annoyed me uh, was um the one where they're playing D&D and they talk about D&D dice. Well, nobody plays D&D and call, talks about D&D dice. They say D20 or D10 right. or D-whatever. Well, my mom calls them D&D dice. Oh, okay, well... <laughs> well, yeah, but um, that's the point, though, is that it's like my mom's writing the show now. Right. <laughs> it's not really... You know, like you I, I would... They def- fell away, they're trying to dilute the, the geekiness so more regular people will like. Yeah. To, to, I, I would defend them on that, on... Th- and the same thing, they don't say BSG, they say Battlestar Galactica. I mean, they're making it, they're trying to make it more accessible for the non-nerd watching it. Yes. So, I, yeah, that jumps out. Every time they do that, it jumps out at me. Every time, I, I, there are other examples, um, the shorthand that nerds use among themselves, they don't. Mm-hmm. Completely absent, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's a necessary evil to, to, in that sense, it is a victim of its own success. But, but they did... Mainstream. They did more of it in the early season. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, we could give them the benefit of the doubt and suggest that, well, in 10 years, let's call it, right? 10 years, mm-hmm. the, the guys have got to grow up to a certain degree. And that's why they're slowly getting married and finding, you know, and that's why Bernadette's pregnant now. And, you know, we're, we're getting more of that kind of stuff. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. Because the you know Sheldon has Sheldon reverts to trains and flags all the time. You know it's like yeah. this; it, it doesn't go away. But the and and the other and the the supporting cast, uh, the guy that owns the comic shop, uh, uh, Stewart. Yes, yeah, Stuart Kripke. You know these guys; they're one note characters in a show full of these one note guys. It's weird. It's it's very strange. But I I think that. Early, the earlier stuff was funnier. Uh, I felt like it was at least uh, there was an effort to sort of understand it, and um, and maybe again, maybe this is a, a case where you know th- those guys, are, th- those shows are all heavily um, dependent on feedback and reactions and you know things like that. So maybe the demographic is that that they want more of a relationship and less uh, geekery, and and to be fair. We don't need them. We don't need that show anymore like we did in 2006. The, sh- the, the hole that that show plugged in our psyches has long since closed up. D- does that make sense? We're not, we're, not, we're, not the, we're not the people that we were back then, and we don't need anything on television. Actually, because actually, what we have on television that validates us is serious fare. 
you know, whether we're talking Netflix Daredevil or whether you like one of the CW shows, there's only going to be 75 of them. This year. <laughs> right? Pick right. your poison. Uh, or may- maybe maybe there's a movie coming out that you like because there's only, there's literally, there, there's going to be a Star Wars, an, a Marvel, and a DC movie every year for the next five years. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we win. Well, yeah, that's true. At the same time, though, I feel like, like I said, at least where I live, and I've heard for other people, you know, I've, I've, I've talked with people who said that geeks have won, and that, oh, geeks are cool now. I don't get that in my daily life. At least right. the group of people that I work with, like I said, I don't talk about sci-fi or fantasy or anything at work, because guys at my work, they want to know what's on football, they talk about hunting, you know, it's, that's right. the kind of environment it is, and that's stuff that I have no interest in, so it's kind of like, they talk about their thing, and I just, you know, during my to get on the internet and read through news and whatnot because <laughs> I, yeah. our interests don't intersect at all. Yeah. At work, I uh, somebody found my rule book. I was reading it. My rule book for uh, Monster Hearts. <laughs> it's a, I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but it's a powered by the apocalypse mm. role playing ah. game uh, about playing teenagers that are monsters. Okay. Sort of a spin yeah. on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Someone read that and they thought it was. Uh, well, they locked it up in the manager's office and put it inside a, a security bag. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Freaked out. Wow. Freaked out. They were like, this is like porn. <laughs> <laughs> were there pornographic yeah. pictures in there? No, no, no. no. I mean, okay. the, uh, uh, to be fair, <laughs> North Carolina. Right. No, I... <laughs> okay, fair the, enough. The yeah. sad thing is North Carolina is the progressive southern state. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have agreed with that like four years ago. Well, progressively <laughs> marching back to 1950. Yeah. I, I but, guess, you know, guys, I live in a small town in North Texas, you know, population 12,000. And, uh, you know, I run the movie theater here in town. And so I can tell you that, I mean, I've got it, I, in some ways, I've got it a little bit better than y'all because when people come to see the Marvel movie, I know they're interested, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. can gauge into, or, or if I've got a, a Star Wars T-shirt on, they, oh, cool, yeah, I saw that here, and and then you know we have that conversation. So so m- maybe we're not living in a utopia yet, but you know, but, but it, 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 we're also not in a vacuum anymore either. You know, yeah, that's that's a fair thing to say. I, I mean, and I agree that media-wise, there is way more for us to be interested in. I'm saying though that I. I like the presentation of geeks who can be uh, successful on TV, and that's, and I guess that's what I really appreciate about the Big Bang Theory is, you know, I mean, we talked about how the relationship that Sheldon and Wallowitz have are, are kind of unbelievable, and I agree, I, I prefer the Leonard Penny relationship, and I like the fact that she has become more interested in the things that he has, and you know they they, they you know they, they they they're able to communicate better and stuff like that and it's showing you know sort of the progression of hey if you just give this stuff a chance you know right. you'll 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 be interested in it too and you'll see that there's a lot of stuff to like there and that's the part of the big bang theory that i think is positive i, I agree that since they've become more caricatured and generic that it's hurting you know it's not as good for that message as it you once was but i still yeah. like the fact that it's popular 
and that it is showing that you know uh you know these these guys can be successful because i feel like that puts a positive representation of you know geeks out there for non-geeks to see that's, i will that's say a good point yeah that's a good point i will say that it, in this last season you know where they're building this uh stabilization stabilization gyroscope thing and of course, the military wants it because they can shoot missiles with it. Right. And Wallace is like, "I got a kid on the way." I mean, I, like in some ways, I, I respect that even more than what they were trying to do because at least now we're into real genius mm-hmm. instead of instead of yeah. meatballs, you know. And, uh, I thought, yeah, real genius was the first thing that popped through my head with that storyline too. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I thought that. Um, I, you know, it's not maybe maybe the thing is that this I I remember when the hate started. It was basically in the middle run. It, you know, there were two or three seasons of it, and then it was about the time that the first breakup occurred, and I think that's where a lot of people got off. You know, because uh, because they were already trying to mix up some stuff. I, you know, again, I, I I feel like a lot of people have outgrown the show, and and maybe uh, or in my case, I have watched so much television you know my whole life i was a latchkey kid from early on Mm. and so i it's i have a real problem watching sitcoms or or you know for that matter any kind of formula television where especially now we're in a renaissance of television right now where there's so much good stuff on tv you know brilliant adaptations fun uh short series where there's just these amazing storylines with unexpected endings and and then then you go to the big bang and it's a 22 minute setup and punch and execution and we're in and we're out i mean you know i, I mean even as the even as the sitcoms have changed like to something like a modern family or a parks and recreation or, a, or an office it's, so it's kind of a dinosaur but so what uh, you you say there's this we are in a renaissance of TV. I agree, but I can have Daredevil and Big Bang Theory just like I can have Star Wars and Sharknado. Absolutely, it, it, yeah. So oh, I'm, and, I'm not calling yeah. for it to be pulled off. I'm just saying yeah. that. that well, for me, I agree. It's, it's not high art. I agree with that. It's it's it it is anything but. It's formulaic. It's tropish. All of that. But sometimes you need that brain candy. Sometimes you need to just turn on the TV and turn off your brain. And to I be think fair, when I hate watch it, I hate watch it in. In power down mode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, the only way, that's the only way to watch it, period. You know? Right. Well, but there's also like the whole element of, you know, I do like think it's great when, you know, when Amy's trying to make Sheldon feel like comfortable, like eating dinner with her at her at her house, that she puts on like the Super Mario Brothers theme. You know, and and that's just fun because it's a reference to something I loved from my childhood. You know, I kind of get it. You know, it's something that he really loves. And so it works on the level of, you know, in the story, I understand why she's doing it at the same time. It sort of speaks to me in my childhood. And, you know, all those (laughs) references and everything, you know, they they do give me when they're used well. Like I say, the D&D one still annoyed me. I will say, I will say for Sheldon that they are great and it's totally under the radar, but making a, a, a character on the spectrum accessible and explaining that that this that sort of situation to other people who might not have any idea i mean people complain that oh sheldon still plays with trains yes of course he does he's not he's never gonna not play with trains yeah and that i think is brilliant what they've stopped doing is they've stopped having him be the thing that emotionally holds everybody hostage and dictates what everybody does to me, that sets a bad example, and and it's and maybe it's the him and Wallowitz are the two bad examples that I don't want people 
watching this show because they know it's geek related and that's their takeaway that it's okay to act like Wallowitz uh, and it's okay to, 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 to emotionally blackmail your friends like Sheldon. And, and again, uh, this, this, this August body of personage is excluded because I don't think any of us have these uh, demons that we wrestle with, but we all know somebody in our group who, you know, doesn't always take those social cues and needs a reminder. And, and so that's where I think this has the potential to be a problem. Well, I guess so. But that's the same. Somebody years ago gave me the argument that the show is bad for women because of how Penny's depicted. And again, I don't see that a sitcom is where we find our role models anyway. You. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, like, yeah, Penny, you know, she drinks too much. You know, she, she you know, doesn't get into good relationships until she got into one with uh, Leonard. But... You know, I don't think people are supposed to look at Penny as somebody to emulate, and it's the same thing with Sheldon. Now, what I have heard, though, is an autistic friend of mine tell me that he appreciates Sheldon on the show because it is giving, you know, somebody, because he sees Sheldon as somebody on the spectrum, even though the show's never said it. Right. representation. Right, there's some representation there, and so to him, that, you know, that makes him feel good. Because he sees such a popular show that has a character that he can identify with. Yeah, and I think it's kind of lazy to say, oh, well, Howard's a bad person, so we don't want to set that out there. That's like saying, well, Tony Soprano was a bad person, so, you know, because you watch The Sopranos, you're going to want to kill people and, you know, run organized crime. It, it doesn't add up. No, yeah. it, does, it, it doesn't add up. But, when you're de- but the, I think the difference is, is that when I watch The Sopranos, I emotionally understand that this guy is a sociopath. And if you don't have a fully functioning set of skills, anybody can watch anything and come away with the idea that this is acceptable. Yeah. And, and especially if in the, in the geek universe, we all communicate based on our stuff. It's not who we are. It's what we like. And so if, if everybody in the group is watching Big Bang Theory, then that's a window. That's a portal. And, and again, we're, not, we're talking about something that I've always believed. I've, I think that in the geek nation, we need to be policing our own. I think we need to be the ones that say, you know, hey, look, that stepped over the line. Hey, you know what? That's not something that makes me feel comfortable. You know, we should be the ones that, that tell our friends, you know, when they over overplay their hand or overstay their welcome and i does that make sense i I agree with that but then in that sense then wallowitz is perfect because he never until he started growing up until he started behaving like an adult he was a constantly he was a loser so in that sense it sends that message that you want because we can't ignore that we do have those elements in the geek community right you said that we're not supposed to find we're you know it's a sitcom we don't we really shouldn't be finding uh good examples there um role models is the word you use right but they we used to all in the family uh dealt with a lot of things that are happening in society the changes that society was going through in the 60s and 70s uh they dealt with homosexuality and racism and uh you know divides between rich and poor and it was a very well-developed i'm just I'm frustrated at the show, and I don't like the show because it could be more, but if they choose not. They take the low road, the easy road, for the fuck it could be more. It could still be funny. We could still have all of this, but they could be dealing with more things, and then they're not. Hmm. 
but in, with your example, with All in the Family, Archie Bunker was the fall guy. He was the Howard. He was the one who was set up to be to be the uh, you know butt of the joke, the 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 ignoramus left behind. So right. yeah, was, so I agree. To be the everyman, and then you know everyone else in the family was supposed to help him along to the future, and they did, and he did grow. He he did eventually grow, but at least initially, part of the popularity of of that character were were people who, you know, misunderstood, and 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 you know laughed because he was sort of he was sort of the Trump of his day. He says what we're all thinking, you know, and it's yeah, it's a it's it's a weird it's a it's a weird balancing act, you know, I because in some ways we all grew up watching television, but. But we don't ever ask teenagers and even young adults to study media and decode these messages and mm-hmm. and look look at this stuff in a way that's practical. And I'm not saying that uh, that you can't have shows that are that are empty calories. Everybody needs a Big Mac now and then. Uh, I mean, and mm-hmm. and you know, when the Big Bang Theory is good, it is funny. You know, there there have been I could easily put together a top ten favorite episodes of mine. That are that are awesome, and I would, you know, hold them up as examples of really good sitcom television writing. But the problem is, is that's ten episodes out of ten seasons, you know, twenty two, twenty four, you know, a piece. Right. And so I, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody that likes it. This is not what this is. But I can't. I, for me personally, it's the it's the way that they chose to um, present the material. And the fact that now see, the the relationships have taken the reins, and I actually like the relationships stripped of most of the geek stuff because I, you know, they don't play D and D all the time because you know everybody's got lives. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes more sense to me now than it ever did. For you know, for now they're actually finally representing me in a way that they didn't 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, they definitely acted below their age for a while where it was like, yeah. you know, usually people in their third, you know, their you know, their 30s or whatever, you know, aren't still doing this stuff cuz they do have other things to do. Even if they love it, you know, even if like, you know, playing D&D D&D is what they, you know, love doing, they just don't have the time to do it on a regular basis like they used to. So, right. uh, it's definitely becoming more real. But getting back to one of the points you made, Mark, don't you feel though that that sort of policing ourselves and fandom that it happens in the show though sheldon gets ostracized when he tries to be that controlling guy he was kicked out of the apartment i think several times in various episodes for doing that kind of behavior it's uh it it, it to a degree yes i mean you know but the thing is is that the formula will always trump that you know because they've always got to get status quo back you know, at the end of the episode, right? Right. They've always got to, and and ostensibly, you know, Sheldon, you know, learns and modifies his behavior. But there's there's usually one big blow up every season that splits the group in twain for for a couple of episodes, and 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 sometimes not even that. So I, I think the format uh, sort of um, defeats the purpose of of this, uh, and so. You know, I but but I know what you, I know what you're saying. You know, they've they've definitely made examples in the past where you know Sheldon crosses a line, or you know, uh, you know, someone so is going to finally stand up to the other person, and 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 that works that works okay to a point. I but um, 
but but you're right. Maybe maybe the secret maybe the sequel uh, the secret to this Ryan is that we don't use this as as a way as a, a crib sheet for our relationships and just kind of treat it you know like like acknowledge that it's empty calories and 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 yeah. pass the ketchup you know yeah I, I think there's this feeling that everything that's nerd related has to be smart and it doesn't this can be nerd and nerd related and dumb and that's that's what in a sitcom that's what it is it's it's again formulaic and so forth but i do want to touch on something that we haven't really talked much about here and that is that these are four characters with the exception of howard they're doctors they've got you know phds and howard has his masters and that's literally a whole nother world i've been on i i work on a campus uh college campus here and that is an entirely different world and at that nine times out of the ten i'm the only person in my lab with a nerd t-shirt on um so they're yeah we're they're there uh the, the person whose lab i work in um she's all about game of thrones it's hilarious but it's kind of low key and she doesn't advertise it so these people do advertise it advertise that they are nerds in academia it's kind of that overlapping intersection of the two because when when you are when you do have a research like this at the doctorate level you don't have free time it's a wonder that these people had time for relationships at all, let alone yeah. time to go to conventions or anything like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I do have to say, though, that, you know, that intersection of academia is, is and nerddom is one of the things that I, that I keep on saying to a lot of people that I know that don't like the show because of feeling like it doesn't represent them. Well, a lot of my friends are in the liberal arts. And I'm like, yeah, right. this isn't going to represent you because these yeah. characters are not from the same background as you are. So even though you might be interested in, you know, some of the same geeky things, it's like these guys are not, you know, the liberal arts majors. And that is, I mean, right. it's a different subculture. I mean, geek is a go- coalition culture in the first yeah. place. I mean, yeah. uh, especially with the modern meaning that we've sort of taken it to, which is anyone who's super devoted to a fandom other than sports, you know, is a geek, right? And right. um so uh, because of that, we, we lump all sorts of things in there. And I really think nerd is probably a more specific term to refer to the Big Bang Theory, which is awful because it's a pejorative. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah, but it's been used that way for so long. I kind of like it as a pejorative because to me, it impl- well, and I'll tell you why. I, I, it implies that there's that some social skills aren't there, you know? Mm. I, th- I think it's useful for when when you're kind of having this conversation because you can have, you know, someone can be a geek and then pack up their adjectives and and go work in a lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who's a nerd is incapable of accessing the real world without going through the filter of conversational Klingon or, you know, whatever <laughs> else is jamming their log right now, you know? Well, this is another interesting topic because we all define these words differently. Because to yeah. me, what Mark described is a dork. And... To me, nerd, nerd implies intelligence, whereas geek is you're super devoted to a fandom, nerd means you're really smart, and dork means that you have no social skills or yeah, very limited yeah. social skills. So it, that's another thing, though. I think sometimes we use these terms and how you see the term isn't the same as how I see the term because a lot of them have taken on additional meanings from what they were originally intended, which they were all just kind of insults, you know, years yeah, ago. Yeah. And yeah, that, That's a fair point, but to, to Mark's point, regardless of the terminology, is you will see these people, you will see 
uh, Nobel laureates who super smart people who it's not that they don't necessarily have social skills it's just that they have to kind of actively turn them on mm-hmm. they are thinking about something else to such a degree that they are so preoccupied with higher level concepts that are beyond most people that they just don't even realize that they're being antisocial and uh, it, you, go I ahead i ask you guys something have you have any of you guys watched scorpion it's also on cbs yes oh. <laughs> Yes, yeah. No. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Benton, did you say yes or no? No, I have not seen that. Have you guys seen uh, Silicon Valley? I haven't oh, seen that. Oh, I love that. Silicon Valley, yeah. Uh, so, smart the, geek, so. Yeah, there's, it's, it's, the, both, of, both of those are two really good examples of another way to do it. What Scorpion, I think, gets right outside of, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's basically four guys who are so smart that together they make MacGyvers. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but they're, but they're disaster MacGyvers. So the thing that they do <laughs> causes another problem that they have to MacGyver yeah. to fix, which causes another problem until they eventually close the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy that plays the character with the fourth highest intelligence in the world, whatever, blah, 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 blah. They, Walter O'Brien. Walter O'Brien. They do a really good job of, uh, he, the, the actor does a really good job of him being emotionally closed off and three steps ahead of the rest of the conversation mm-hmm. in terms of problem solving. And, you know, and, and the show makes a point of having other people in the room go, what the hell's his problem? Uh, he's just, past where you are right now you know and 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 the same thing with silicon valley is these guys you know there's four guys three of whom are they're all computer uh science people and coders and they're and they're super super intelligent but they are super intelligent uh at the expense of having uh, almost no social skills to speak of just just awkward uh, in in the best way that Mike Judge knows how to write those kind of characters, and so um, you know, you, you, the thing about that is with the, with Silicon Valley, you root for these guys. You want them to do well. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, they're 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 all written sympathetically. Even when you when, even when they're messing up, and you know they're messing up, and you just shake your head and go, God, why did you keep talking? You know. Um, you, you you want good things to happen to them. I've never wanted anything to happen to Wallowitz other than have like a meat truck run over his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, Scorpion is an interesting point, and I agree with you about the depiction of Walter. What gets me every time is the intro where they're like, this is Paige. She's normal. And I'm like, <laughs> way, way to like make it seem like being a, you know, after you're supposed to have this show that's like a positive role model show for geeks, this is an adventure show, not a comedy, right? And they right. do they're all supposed to be fairly positive and it's like Paige is normal so by extension that means the people on scorpion are not normal and it's like okay well, well. The, yeah but the the, th- the thing about Paige and and the two seasons have made a point of this as she's gone back to school and started taking classes mm-hmm. she has the one thing that they don't have and that's empathy right. she's got emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and and how is that not penny so she's well i think penny continues to get to the point where everybody in the room is talking science stuff and she goes okay i'm gonna go drink 
it, it is a problem i feel like with penny because i feel like she was developing for a while and then they just like put a halt i mean she's done things like career wise but on a personal right, level point. her character stopped well, developing yeah going to work for a pharmaceutical company was a good point because she you know could at least leverage her personality into sales mm-hmm. which does again require a different kind of intelligence it requires an application of theory and so um I, all of that's great, but when the nerd stuff comes out, there, but then there there are um, there are exceptions. The 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 one where they were all reading comics and discussing yes. the Hammer Four was, was marvelous. You know, that so was, good. That was such but a callback to when the show got it because it was like this is a right. real conversation that I think I've had before. Like the whole question of if the hammer's in space, can you still move it? And everyone yeah. has a different opinion on whether it can be done, <laughs> and it's beautiful. That kind that kind of stuff is always good, and and, and you know sometimes they put it in their cold openings now, mm. but uh, but I love. That that they that she was making an effort, right? And and ever since the marriage, she's kind of checked out. You know, she's sort of she's back to just mm-hmm. Sheldon's going to be Sheldon. I'm just going to go sit over here and eat my Chinese food because it's Tuesday night, you know, or whatever. I mean, there's there she's uh, I, I, it's a it's a thing that they bring her back to where I, I, I see. I don't think that she has the emotional intelligence. I think she's I think she's got some common sense. I that the disagree. guys don't have. I, and okay. yet she's the one who can relate to Sheldon the most. She's the one that can get him to come out of his shell and to, to make those compromises to function with everyone else. If you want to use Paige from Scorpion. Scorpion, by the way, I feel the same way that you all feel about um, Big Bang. I do feel that, that stereotypes are a little bit, eh, a little bit, they just annoy me just a little bit. But Interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, it's very strange. But, um, just like what well, the follow-up Scorpion episode in a few months. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, pa- what Paige does for Walter, I would argue Penny does for Sheldon. Well, I think that that got started early on with the Soft Kitty song, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And th- they've played that through ever since, but it's it's it seems to be the only time that th- they, they truck that out as a reminder that she's got basically that's her that's her secret power is basically belling the dragon getting <laughs> getting getting the dragon to go to sleep is 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 her is her function you know mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean early they, on in the series uh penny's function was to explain what the guys were talking about be the science or geeky stuff but then yeah. as they diluted the show she ended up being the the, the girl who could sing soft kitty and then also just throw in the you guys are dorks, rhetorically. Yeah, yeah, because we needed to be reminded that they're uh, sometimes talking about stuff that's, you know, fun, but meaningless, you know? Yeah, I, and that's the weird thing about Penny's character in general, because they seem all over the place with her. Sometimes I think she does show a lot of empathy, like Ryan was talking about. In other episodes, they show her as the most, like, shallow you know, awful person that you can think of with just, like, the way, like, she, she, like, steals stuff from the, um, from, like, the Goodwill Dropbox, you know, she steals clothes out of it, she's like, oh, how would anyone donate this? And she starts, like, stealing it, and it's like, seriously? She's layered. Right. She has layers. But, But then even with the geek stuff, it's like, you know, 
when she and Leonard started dating, suddenly she's quoting Star Wars, and she's really getting into it, and then, like, once they break up, it's all like, you know, all oh, this geeky stuff is stupid again. Now, even when they got back together, she still makes those kinds of comments, and it's like, it seems like a much more, it seems like they're dating, but at the same time, it's like the chemistry that they had in that first time they did the relationship is gone. And I don't yeah. know what happened, uh, you know, with that, but you know, it's almost like they're telling her, act like that, you know, she still says things like oh i really love leonard but the way she acts doesn't seem to indicate that and that is a weird thing they're the old married couple (laughs) i guess but that's the other problem the show now has going into the 10th season is we've arrived at where the show was leading i mean leonard's married to petty Sheldon and uh, Amy have uh, had sex, and Wallowitz and Bernadette are having a baby, and it's all, I mean, I guess pair Raj off with somebody, have him pick one. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, it's almost like what 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 else is there to do? Yeah, it's uh, and that's probably where it's going to end. You know, it'll probably end with uh, them going to India for Raj's wedding, and then there's this going to be this like, well, oh, we're never going to see each other again, and then it's going to be like, no, nah, we'll always be friends. You know, I, I I just I see that last episode happening, and I, I I can almost write it because it's it's how they do all these things. You know, bottom line. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it's not the worst thing out there. And and certainly, I appreciate the fact that, that the comic shop looks like an actual comic shop. And that they, the you know, in, in Scorpion, the, the comic book nerd on the show, his favorite comic book is Super Fun Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. the dumbest, you know, I, I get that you didn't want to spend any money, you know, licensing, licensing something. Mm-hmm. But couldn't. Exactly. How much would that cost these days? Uh, but even, but even if, even if you, even if it did cost too much, you could have come up with something that actually made sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You could, you could, you could have used a public domain funny book that would have filled the same niche. Anyway, it's just that, that drives cool. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that stuff drives me nuts. You know, I that's the stuff that I just find insulting. You know, oh god. Yeah, that super yeah. fun guy is like what people who don't read comics think that comics are like, rather than anything that anyone would actually read. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe there's not one guy in the writers' room that has a stack of that doesn't have a stack of Marvels. Yeah, you know, I mean, every writer in L.A. You know, is a comic nerd. That's what these guys all. I mean, that's what any of us all do. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> you know, take a color and an animal. Bam, you've got a character. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this or, or color and an object. You know, yeah. uh, the, the purple badger. Yeah, there the, you blue, go. the blue bookcase. I, you know, anything would have been better than Super Fun Guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, so I, you know, the Big Bang Theory is is probably got at least a season or two left in it. Uh, I feel like we're getting close to the end of it, and you know, I but I totally understand. You know, I won't I won't deny anybody their their hatred. You know, uh, what what queered me on the deal was that that was this um, that it, that it ultimately became the formula show that they all become. That and, they all become is key there. Yeah, that yeah, that's and and. Uh, and, and you know, it, I, I'm that way with most shows. As soon as I figure out how the sausage is made, or how you file the serial numbers off, my interest drops about fifty percent. And the only thing that would keep me hanging out would be the characters. See also Castle, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
I, I mean, out as soon as they got together. Uh, yeah, yeah, because that's that's the moonlighting thing. But uh, but I was I was invested enough in the two of them, and and also uh, the the detectives Espo and uh, what's his name, Ryan uh, and and Orion. Uh, those guys were uh, that that w- that's what made it fun. And so right. I put up with the fact that the mystery was ancillary to whatever personal stuff was going on in their lives. Yeah. Simply because I like the show, the, the characters, but 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 that that mystery every night or every Monday night was the same thing, and and that's where our even even though the situations in the sitcom are different, the beats and the responses and the to be continueds are are hitting in those same familiar places, and I've heard this song before. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. To me, um, you know, I see that's how I feel about the Big Bang Theory. Is I feel like it is a lesser show than it was, but because I feel like I got in with the characters and started identifying with many of them early on, I'm just watching because I like seeing what's going to happen now with you know Leonard, Penny, Sheldon, uh, etc. And and right. I just want to see what kind of stuff that they get. And, and I do like the references. I mean, even though sometimes they seem odd, like it seems completely bizarre to me that. She Sheldon doesn't like Babylon 5. If there was any show that I would think would fit Sheldon would be a pre-planned five-season show that, you know, was was organized and, you know, everything, f- you know, flowed perfectly, may- you know. And <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Babylon 5 is exceptional. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> we won't get into that topic, though, right now. 126-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but for Sheldon's personality, that uh, is yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. the kind of thing that he would be like, yeah, this is great. And instead I... plug right into his OCD, uh, yeah. Right, and I think that, again, they're just trolling the internet and say, like, oh, well, Babylon 5 is a sci-fi show that, you know, you know geeks are kind of split on, so that's one that if we insult... You know, people won't, uh, you know, get too up in arms about it, and so they just threw that out there rather than thinking about Sheldon as a character, you know, and what he would like. No, I mean, he's entitled to not like something, but Leonard and everyone else does like it, so they're not making fun of Babylon 5, per se. They're just setting up a difference between him and the, uh, the rest of the characters. I mean, he he loves Doctor Who, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, 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 and for I, <laughs> and yes, I could speak for a long time about what show Sheldon should not like and what shows he should like based on his character, and I'm not going to go there right now. But <laughs> it could come down to you know uh, Sheridan reminded him of the mean teacher in high school. Well, that's true, or that chicken that chased him up the uh, tree that time. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, so for me, I mean, Big Bang Theory to me is just that sort of feel-good comfort show of, you know, I know the characters, I just want to see their wacky adventures, I don't really think too much about it, I certainly don't want to emulate, you know, any of the characters, but I do right. like the fact that they are presented as geeks and they are presented as successful, mostly. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, did you have anything uh, else... Uh, yeah, Benton. Did you have anything else yeah. you uh, wanted to throw? And I know, I know, we've been kind of talking over you and and, and everything uh, when your microphones uh, had some issues. So I did want to give you uh, an opportunity here. Well, I just wanted to say that um, I get the I like Big Bang Theory the first season, and then it just sort of wore on me using those uh, you know pushing those same buttons over and over again, like Mark said. Um, and then I just grew to uh, despise and hate it. 
Uh, <laughs> I do have fond memories of uh, them playing, uh, like when they were when they had Settlers of Catan on there. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they got right. Catan, got Catan. It was awesome. Right. Love that, you know. But overall, I just feel like there are better shows to take up my limited amount of viewing time. And That's if I'm fair. Gonna sit down for thirty minutes to watch a geeky comedy. I'm going to watch Silicon Valley. Or try out Scorpion. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, I mean, so so this is interesting, because even though I brought Mark and Benton on because they didn't care for the Big Bang Theory, you guys aren't the guys writing articles online that say that, like, the Big Bang Theory is the devil, and, like, it's it's harming everyone, and it's, it's uh-huh. you know, it's, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic, because, you know, you guys have watched it, you don't care for it particularly yourselves, but you're not like, you know, this this show just needs to be obliterated. It does more harm than good. Yeah, right. That and and that's that's probably because uh, nothing. Um, I, I don't have anything against the people who are who are writing these articles, uh, but I think that a little perspective is in order when we're when we're talking about stuff like this. And, and this and perhaps this is the final thing that needs to really be said about the Big Bang Theory. That show is not written for us. We are not the intended demographic for that show. Right. That we can watch that show and have an entry point, whether it's Settlers of Catan, the Age of Conan episode, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons episode, is is one thing uh, entirely. But that show is aimed at people who are tr- who for whom. There, there is a sudden influx of superhero movies and science fiction movies and all this stuff out there, and people don't kind of know what to make sense of it. More people, because here's the deal. <laughs> the, the, the millions of people that watch that show, that's not the Geek Nation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not. The Geek Nation, might, there's a subset in there. But most of the people that are watching that show are watching that show because they are. Everybody likes looking into other people's windows, mm-hmm. and they think this is a window into our world. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And a lot of people online don't have a sense of humor, and a lot of people online think that everything has to be directly related to them, and that's where a lot of the hate comes from. You know, uh, there's there's a there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of perspective in a lot of these writers who are putting this out. You know, it's because I don't like it. None of you should watch it. That's, you know, I'm over forty. I know how to. I can actually tell the difference between you know irony and intention. And so um, I get real uh, fed up sometimes when 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 the when the internet reminds me that it actually is a 13-year-old girl. So, um, <laughs> Well, on the internet, you either have to love it or hate it. There's no just, eh. Yeah. Right. And, and, when, and when the internet is a 13-year-old girl, I hate it with the fire of a thousand suns. And, and unfortunately, there's nowhere I can tell people about it because I'd have to go to the internet. Right. Uh, <laughs> now you get meta. Yeah, because everyone that's sort of met on the internet just decides not to post. That's right. Well, that's 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 called that's called human beings and adults is what mm-hmm. that's called. See, this notion that that you got offended by something and so you're going to tell me about it implies that a I am uh, directly related to you and b I care. Hmm. I, and I don't mean that to, I don't mean that to be cavalier, but you know, 
there's so much stuff that I don't like in a, in a day that I decide not to share with all of you. Right. <laughs> and you're welcome. Right. Because nobody wants to hear my verbal diarrhea. That's not interesting, you know? <laughs> If if you can tell me why you hate it in in, in an interesting way, I'll I'm I'm down. For, I'll listen. I may not agree, but I'll think it's interesting. If you can tell me why you love it and make me reconsider my positions, I, I'd prefer that. That'd be awesome. Because either either one of those implies that we're actually having a dialogue or a conversation. But just but just venting your spleen and, and vomiting up some bile and what shaping takes. it. Yeah, shaping it, you know, you know, putting Wallowitz, uh, just writing that in your effluvia, and then sending, hitting send is just, uh, it's, it, it does, it just adds to the to the signal to noise ratio, which is bad. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I have to say there, there's two different problems, and they're, and they're kind of related. But one is if you don't like this thing that I like, then there's something wrong with you, and I need to tell you. And the other one is you hate this thing that I like. And then there's something wrong with you, and I've got to have an argument with you about it. And and both right. of them are a problem. You know, people with such thin skin, you know, that somehow anyone else feeling differently about them, uh, you know, about something is an attack on them when right. it's not. Well, yeah. it sort of goes to the whole, I mean, speaking of the, the internet being the internet, you know, there are people talk about, oh, Michael Bay ruined my childhood. Yeah. It, no, he didn't. The original... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that I grew up with, Vanilla Ice, is still there. I can go back and watch it, and I'll still yep. like it. Yep. And the original Ghostbusters is still there. <laughs> you know, it's not, it hasn't gone away. You can still watch it. It's it's not gone. There's just another one. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't all have to like the same stuff, and that's what's great about living in this uh, media and content-rich, you know, uh, time in our lives where everybody can just like find their little niche and there's excellent stuff there to consume yeah i mean we're all old enough to remember when this was like a daydream that no one ever thought would come that we could have a steady stream of multiple marvel and dc movies and a star wars every year and even Star Trek's content coming out at a fairly steady pace and everything else, you know, like, if you had told me even ten years ago that this was the way it was going to be, I'd be like, there's no way. Right. There's an amazing Supergirl and Flash and uh, Marvel TV show that are, you know, reasonably successful and and doing well and getting renewed. No, I would never believe that. There's no way. Yeah, we're definitely in an age of miracles and wonders, which makes the bile all the more hard to to choke down especially when it comes from this this place of uh not even not really criticism but almost entitlement this sort of like you know you didn't do this exactly the way i wanted it done and so i'm gonna flip out like a ninja and and draw a sword you know that's the stuff that uh that i that i just don't understand and i get really I get frustrated with that because, you know, uh, and, and I hate sounding like that guy, you know, I really, I, I hate being that guy. I'm, I'm 46 now and I grew up with stop motion special effects and the Batman TV show. And so I, I've got a yardstick here that's pretty nuanced. And so when you tell me that, you know, uh, when I say, God, I love, I love playing Fallout 4 and, and some, 18 year old kid next to me goes, Yeah, the graphics are stupid. They just suck. I just want to hit him. 
Yeah. You don't know. My, 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 first, don't know. my first adventure game was a square and a plus sign and a duck. Right. And, don't you tell don't tell me that the textures are weak, you know? Uh, that's it's there's just no perspective on it and no sense of uh, I, I don't want to say empathy, but uh, but but there's a, the, this real notion that uh, you know, because Lord of the Rings had a had a really believable golem that now going forward every movie and every television show should have this hyperkinetic level of reality that is just uh, that blows our minds and makes us question all notions of reality and sanity. And, and that is not the way to go through life, man. That's all that does is set up just waves of disappointment crashing on the shores of your soul. And we and we're not we're not built for that. <laughs> no, no. And I am like I said before. Uh, I'm really appreciative that you guys can come on here and we can all talk like you know adults about this kind of thing. And you know, because that's one of the things I know. A lot of podcasts are very worried about having conflict on the podcast but as long as nobody descends to you know name calling and getting bent out of shape about it i like having the diversity of ideas so sure. yeah i i th- thank you all for uh you know uh taking the time to come and do this because uh you know i i've i've enjoyed having this conversation well good yeah thanks for having us man this was this was a lot of fun and 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 there were a lot of great points that got brought up that certainly uh factor back into what uh what each of us was saying so i feel like uh i feel like this was at least a productive discussion if nothing else absolutely it's it's great to be able to have a conversation with people and disagree with them and and know that they disagree with me but they don't think I'm an idiot for disagreeing with them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And vice versa. You know? Right. No death threats are coming. Yeah. <laughs> so did anybody have anything else that they felt like they just needed to say about the Big Bang Theory? I'm good, brother. I, I, I got it all out. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating show, I think. Um, it's like a... Uh, a, a broken in shoe for me where I wear it and it doesn't have to be new. It doesn't have to be different. It's just comfortable. It's almost like, like a family member, you know, at this point in time, I, maybe I'm not sticking to it out of loyalty because it's not necessarily original anymore, but it's fun for me and I'm going to hang around. Maybe it's a shoe with like a hole. It's just so comfortable, but I've thrown away. <laughs> I I will continue to uh, hate watch it until the ending, at which point I will probably um, watch the uh, spinoff. Uh, <laughs> as long as the spinoff is not, uh, as long as it's not Wallowitz and Bernadette, I'm in. <laughs> well, have you heard the rumor? No. no. Okay, the rumor is that Leonard and Penny are definitely out after the tenth season, but the the executives are discussing continuing the series without them. Eh. Oh boy, yeah. that's not a good idea. <laughs> right? No, I don't think so either. <laughs> that is not a good idea. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, the that, actors, I'd do it. That show is going to dis- pay you a million dollars an episode to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody has a boat payment to make. That's fine. I just, I think if that happens, that show is going to disappear up its own asshole, uh, and not in a good way. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, because to me, those that those two characters are the core of the show, and if you get rid of yes. that, I mean, then then they're probably going to try to replace them with yeah. two new characters, and I don't think it's going to work when everyone else is so well established, and then they're going to bring in new characters. And they can't do it without anyone because then these characters will have no real anchor 
Yeah. Oh, that's the thing about American TV. They just never know when to quit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, BBC, British TV, they just go, we got a story to tell. We'll tell it in three seasons and then we're done. It's kind of the best way to do it these days. And I think more people are getting that, especially with the, the net conflict content the downloadable stuff you know uh shorter shows punchier stories you can make changes you can kill characters it's 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 a lot it's not it won't ever take the place of reading but it's more like the story you get when you read a good book you know yeah and and that's and and honestly for me that's that's where I, I just want a really I want a well told story it's okay if you mess things up and you know break yeah. uh break a few eggs for your omelet but just Entertain think, me and keep me guessing. Theo, I think that's where the emphasis, the difference in emphasis. You know, on the other side of the pond, it's about the story. In America, it's about the money. And as long as Big Bang Theory gets the ratings, it's it's going to be on in some form or the other. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's why so many shows, because they're trying to hit that 22-episode season, because that's what you know they feel like they need to produce, it's like they might only have 10 episodes worth of story, but by golly, they'll crank out 22 episodes for all the advertising revenue and everything else that they get, and yeah. uh, you know, and we get a lot of filler and a lot of crap that you know, we don't need in that story, so... Yeah. All right, well, um, if we don't have anything else to say, then uh, let's wrap things up. Nathan, uh, once again, thank you for being on the show, and say goodbye to the internet, and let us know if there's anything that you want to plug or where we can find you. Well, you can find me on uh, Facebook at um, NateBobBenton on Twitter. Um, I'm not actually, I'm on Facebook, but I don't know if you'll be able to find me. But I, on Twitter, I just post the funny pictures that I find and interesting articles that I like. And you'll also be able to find me here on the 42 cast, hopefully again soon. Yeah, no, we'll love to have you back. Ryan, thank you again for uh, coming back to the show. And uh, you can say goodbye. I know I know you won't say goodbye to the internet. You've already made that clear. <laughs> but uh, Never. Say, say goodbye to the audience then and <laughs> let us know <laughs> where we can find you. Well, well, goodbye, audience. Uh, you can find me on these fine people's Facebook pages, probably disagreeing with them. I am working on more stuff to be, I don't know, announced later. Otherwise, I'll plan on being on as many of these podcasts as possible. Uh, look for me on Twitter at uh, Geek Stranger. And um, otherwise, just make a express an opinion, and I will be there to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Believe me, Ryan will let you know when he thinks that you're wrong. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, thank you for being on the show. And uh, please say goodbye and let us know if there's anything that you want to plug and where we can find you. Yes. Uh, I'm currently on loan right now from the Gentleman Nerds podcast. Uh, you can find uh, us at uh, thegentlemannerds.com. And uh, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I can be uh, tweeted at uh, it's uh, at Finswake, F I N N S W A K E. All right, internet, good night, stay crazy, and hey, wait 20 minutes after you uh, swim before you start eating. <laughs> and, and, and I, I will just say, putting in a personal plug for Mark, that the episode of the RevCast at RevCast.com that uh, he and I did with uh, Indiana Jones uh, was a ton of fun. It's where I first met Mark, and uh, it is well worth listening to because this guy has thought about Raiders of the Lost Ark for years, decades, and uh, has a lot of very interesting theories and thoughts on it. 
And with that, it's time to wrap out another episode of the 42Cast. I hope that you liked our episode. I hope that whether you liked the Big Bang Theory or didn't like the Big Bang Theory, you listened to what we said, and hopefully uh, we gave you something to think about to see the other perspective on what's going on with this show and why your friends might feel differently about it than you do. And speaking about likes and dislikes, we want to hear from you uh, about your thoughts on the 42Cast. What do you like? What don't you like? There are all kinds of ways to reach us. Uh, you can post a comment on our website, which is 42cast.com. You can message us on Twitter at, at 42cast. You can visit our Facebook page at 42cast.com slash Facebook. Or you can leave us a review on either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. So uh, I'm always really curious to hear what people think. We've had a few reviews, but haven't really had a whole lot of feedback uh, according to the number of downloads that I'm seeing. So I know a lot more people are listening to the show than commenting on it, and maybe that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I really do want to hear what people think. You know, uh, what episodes do you like? Are you just listening to some episodes? Are you listening to the whole show? Just anything, uh, just so I know, you know, how people feel about it. I mean, we are getting downloads every episode, so I'm sure something's right, but I definitely want to know how to make the show better. Uh, so please do message me somehow and let me know what you think. But uh, with that being said, um, I do want to put another plug there for the video game archive. I just uh, got a a new shipment, a few new very old vintage uh, video games from the 1970s, the APF TV Fun and the Odyssey 500, if that means anything to you. So I'm going to have a lot of fun posting pictures about these things, posting reviews. Uh, I've gotten a lead on someone that may be able to talk a little bit about those early days of video game history. So uh, again, though, please, uh, anyone listening to this, if you know of anyone in your life, uh, whether a relative, friend, whatever, uh, or uh, a, a friend's relative that was involved in early video game history please pass this on to them let them know that I'm interested in hearing what they have to say so uh, hope that that bears fruit hope that I get to talk to a lot of uh, interesting people as I go about recording video game history So now it's time to say goodbye. Uh, As I said before, next episode is going to be the Streams Do Come True podcast, so I hope you join us back for that. And until then, this is Nathan signing out. You've been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.